0: Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success.
1: This is The Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. All right, those of you who have listened to the show know that I am no big fan of employer branding because I believe it is mostly generic and unrealistic, often selling the image of unicorns and rainbows topped off with a free lunch. To me, job advertisements feel more like a car dealer who advertises a low price just to get you in the door only to just sell you a lemon at the end of the day. We all understand every company has its challenges, so why not paint an accurate picture of what the company really is once you start working there? Simply sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly of your company is the first step to eliminating bad hires. It attracts the right people, repels those who don't align with the company values, and eliminates the surprises that cause people to Question their decision to join your company. I'm Rick Gerard. Welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Brian Adams. Now, Brian is the CEO and founder of PH Creative, recognized as one of the leading employer brand agencies in the world. PH specializes in building world class employer brand, EVP, and talent management strategy for companies such as Apple, American Airlines, Peloton, and Glassdoor. Brian is a two-time best-selling author, podcaster, and specialist speaker. He is considered a prominent employer brand thought leader, and his creative, unconventional, and even controversial methodologies are said to regularly change the way people think about employer branding and employer value proposition, which is what makes Brian the perfect expert for today's topic. Brian, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today.
0: Pleased to be with you, Rick. Thanks for having me on.
1: So I love the fact that you're unconventional and you like to challenge. I like to buck the system and I think differently as well. So let's have fun with this. So today we're going to talk a little bit about two things. We're going to discuss employer branding. Brian's going to prove me wrong. <laughs> I'm not sure show spoiler. And then we're going to talk about why and when to use employer branding, and then how to brand in the most effective way. Sound like a plan? Yeah, let's get into it. So let's talk a little bit about the challenge today with employer branding. I shared my view on it, and I know you have a very different view, but I feel like employer branding was this hot topic a few years ago where everybody was spending money to get this employer brand, but it didn't seem like it was very practical, especially for smaller companies. You know, larger companies who can invest a lot of money in it it makes sense, but if you're a small startup, what's the point?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the way you teed up employer brand I've got to agree with you you know that description doesn't work it's what prompted me to write the book and I think it's why we're booking the trend uh, in the industry because we don't do it that way either you know and I thought we were going to sort of start out at different ends of the spectrum and sort of meet in the middle but actually reading your book you talk about you know the recruiting process being too transactional talking about a paycheck and My issue with employer branding is it being too soft and fluffy and only talking about strengths, benefits, and opportunities. So I think we're already meeting in the middle, probably more than we know. And the secret sauce to our approach, the give and get employer branding, is leaning into the harsh realities and the adversities that you find in the employee experience, not just to be more authentic and honest. But actually, that's what gives the sense of achievement and purpose more meaning.
1: There's no perfect company out there. There's no perfect work environment. Why would you not want to attract? I feel like there's this ego thing where you want to be able to claim that you got 500 resumes for a job posting, as opposed to, I got seven or eight resumes of really good people and we hired one. Well, 81%
0: of employer brand leaders will still cite an increase in applications as a success measure of their employer brand. It's a
1: vanity metric. There's an
0: entire industry that exists just on the other side of that wall trying to deal with the blizzard of applications. You think about uh, AI and machine learning that's entered the space and the nosedive of candidate experience trying to deal with the deluge of all of these applicants. No TA leader in the world wants more applicants. We want more of the right applicants. So instead of a magnet to attract, what we say is it should be a smart filter to help candidates make better informed decisions. So they're doing everybody a favor if they decide not to, hire, not to apply in the first place and let recruiters and hiring managers spot somebody who's going to be a good match culturally, not just from a competency perspective.
1: So very true. I feel where the problem lies, but why should companies really engage employer branding? Why should they really embrace it?
0: everyone's got an employer brand, right? Whether it's working strategically for the organization or not is a different thing. So we advocate for thinking about employer branding slightly differently. And 99% of that is just aligning with the direction of flow of the business. And in our experience doing this for nearly 10 years, working with C-suites and CEOs of organizations, they are usually the most skeptical and sort of cynical about what employer brand can do. And the reason is, the theory goes, to be authentic, it has to represent the reality of the business today. But show me a leader that is happy with the status quo of their organization today, then I'll show you a CEO is not gonna succeed. They're always thinking about, well, actually, that's not how I want the business. I want it to look differently in the future.
1: Yeah, throwing out that mirror does not bode well. A lot
0: Absolutely, of you know they live in the future and that's their job. So employer brands should be a sharp tool to authentically represent the reality of today and the aspiration of tomorrow and perfectly paint the picture of how to get there, what it takes to thrive.
1: But if I'm a small company, basically all I have to run off is my company values or the mission of the company.
0: But now we're talking about the degree of complexity or sophistication of employer brand. I don't think we're arguing against or, or for employer brand. And I think designing the culture you want and scaling that is going to be much more conducive to a business regardless of size than changing something that isn't helping or your organization move forward once you've got 500 people.
1: Are you listening to the Higher Power Radio Show? I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find your link to order healing career wounds. Let it be your startup secret weapon to win winning the strongest tires. Our guest today is Brian Adams. Brian is the founder and CEO of PH Creative. We just talked about employer brand, when and why to think about an employer brand. I mean, like you said, everybody has one. Whether or not you use it is a whole different thing. Now let's talk about, now that we figured out we have one, we sit down, like, how do we actually deploy an employer brand or utilize it in a way that's going to benefit the company?
0: So it all starts with giving the organization a damn good listening to, essentially. You know, we want to listen to the leaders to understand the direction of travel and what capabilities need to exist and what culture is going to be conducive to taking the business forward. We need to understand the employee view. So we do know the what and all uh, realistic view of the employee experience today. And in that, there's going to be some things you want to keep, some things you want to dial up, some things you want to discard, um, but you get under the skin of the DNA and the fabric of the organization.
1: So you're getting into the values.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the guiding principles of you know, how that shows up in reality. And then the final one is the market view. So what are we trying to differentiate against? And how do we become more relevant than competition so when we go out there, we can win?
1: You mentioned the guiding principles. Often that's a big challenge when you're talking to an executive because their vision of what the values are are often disconnected from really what the values of the organization are.
0: Yeah, so if I say to you integrity, and I think you know what integrity means, uh but actually integrity means something different, then it's not really helpful when I want you to go off and make independent decisions in the organization based on what I think integrity is. So a guiding principle is and here's how it shows up and here's how you should use it and here's an example of what it is and here's an example of what it's not. And you know, similarly an EVP is then describing the how, you know, so that brings that to life. It celebrates the stories of success and um, demonstrates the impact, purpose, and belonging to be found within the organization. And it's a proposition. And, as, again, as you point out in your book, it's not a transaction. It's a proposition. There yeah. needs to be value on both sides that's that's a lot more than just a transaction.
1: Yeah, and it needs to be measurable. You, you mentioned integrity. I think Enron's number one value was integrity, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, it's only as good as um, – as the shadow of the leader, I guess. In that case, in any case,
1: holding up and understanding the organization is the first piece. Then where do we move?
0: So actually, like if if we if we then think about uh, the strategic use of employer brand, you mentioned it earlier. Most organizations just set out to be intangibly known as the best employer or the most attractive which is wishy-washy at best. I think it's lazy and it's of no value to the organization or uh, employees or, or, or prospective employees, candidates.
1: Or they get that award, Inc. 500's best place to work.
0: Yeah, and you know, there's a place for that. I think there is a, there is a place of value, but it's an indicator, you know? Um, and it's a contributor to you know, what, what you've built. There's no substitute for tangible specificity as to what your reputation as an employer is and why. You know, what I mean by that is, you know, you look at Amazon and a lot of people will tell you, oh, I don't want to work at Amazon. You know, I've I've heard terrible stories about how how harsh that culture is and I just don't want to do it. And do you know what? That's great. But you go into Amazon, I could probably easily find 50 people who love Amazon for a very specific reason. And they've yeah. got a reputation as an employer for being what I call a career catalyst, one of the three C's, a career catalyst. If you do two years successfully at Amazon, that's going to accelerate your career in a whole bunch of ways. And you're very much more employable afterwards than when you start. You know, so that's one um Tangible sort of bucket of uh, employer brand reputation. The second is culture, which employer brand has traded on for you know since since employer brand was sort of created, um, being a great place to work. That you know, a sense of belonging. Um, you well, know, let's
1: talk about the culture because yeah, you ideally want to be a great place to work, but there are cultures, there are environments, they're backstabby, yeah. high. Hunter cultures, the people that are in there excel and they do really well. But trying to frame that as a collaborative culture and something that is yeah. not going to help us. So,
0: so that's where you start to wash your hands with employer brand, and that's where I say that's just an example of bad employer brand. Because if that's the case, you know, take Amazon. That might be, and I don't know firsthand but it might be quite a venomous culture. But you can climb the ladder, you can get promoted, you can get paid, you can get access to learning and development and be extremely employable at the end of it. Therefore, own the harsh reality and build a reputation as a career catalyst. Don't try and trade on a nice warm and fuzzy culture that doesn't exist. Then you go to somewhere like HubSpot and um, their culture is well-renowned. And they can trade their employer brand based on that because it is a place where they go out the way to create uh, inclusion and diversity and equity and all of those things. Um, and I have seen that firsthand. They're not clients of ours, but I've seen it firsthand and it is, it's a sight to behold. Um, the third C, uh, now that millennials officially rule the world, apparently, is this idea of citizenship. So people are making career decisions based on joining a company that want to leave the world better than they found it you know so the community engagement again the diversity and um the philanthropic activities that's meaningful to some people and that's the main driver to some people in their careers as that's well that's huge yeah
1: i'm seeing it probably Five out of every seven people we talk to? Yeah. You know, it's you not know, everybody's main
0: motivator, but it's definitely one of them. It's one of the three flavors. So you need to figure out who you are as an organization, which aligns with the natural strengths that exist and what's most conducive to driving your organization forward. So that's that's step one. Figure out the tangible reputation as an employer you need to best serve the organisation and your people.
1: So, how does one figure out the reputation? If I'm a small company, is Glassdoor my only way to figure out what my reputation is?
0: It's one of them, um, <laughs> but you know, you can look at when we look at performance, culture, and what we need in terms of the strategy, the business strategy we've put in place. What capabilities, behaviours, outcomes, and achievements do we need to put on the board at the end of the year to move the organisation forward? What does that look like? now when we do our research okay what's the main motivator and driver behind these people you know we ask our people okay how what motivates you to not just why did you join but why do you stay and and how and why do you thrive what is it about this organization that is driving you forward to put those numbers on that board and if we can understand that then we can replicate it we can systemize it and we can scale it you know and we can authentically talk about it you know and typically if you look at you know, I call it a treasure map. You know, if you, if you look at the harsh realities and the adversities and people can tangibly tell you about those in your organization, it's not the gold, but it is the X marks the spot. You dig there, you're going to find a source of passion and pride which can authentically ignite something quite magical and unique to your organization. And that's the secret, uncovering those ingredients to aligning, moving the organization forward and satisfying your people in the right way.
1: I don't know if it's a secret, though. I think we all know it, but we just don't recognize it most of the time.
0: Well, maybe the secret is doing it.
1: Yeah, taking the time to do it. Because <laughs> as entrepreneurs, we get in our heads way too often. We're just trying to push to get product out. And re- yeah, what but have you.
0: I also think that it's natural human behavior. You know, we've since we were young, you know, we were told to comb our hair and straighten our tie and put your best foot forward and all of that good stuff. We want to talk about the strengths, the benefits, and the opportunities. We don't want to talk about the thing, the vulnerabilities, the things that we're not particularly proud of, or the stuff that you've got to put up with, or the demands and expectations of the employee experience, because actually we're perhaps not as proud as that, as, as we could be. But that's the magic. Answering that one question, what does it really take to thrive at your organization? That means you have to lean into that stuff. And like you say, it might not be a secret, but... I think it's important enough to write down and, and publish. And it's, I totally agree with you. you know, and it's, it's definitely our secret to success when we work with client partners.
1: I mean, if you own the good, the bad, and the ugly, you're going to be in a good position.
0: Yeah, but why not point it towards the direction of travel with an organization and use it to position the good stuff as well? It's like, look, you can have all this good stuff, but you've got to be willing to put in this demand, like save this demand, this expectation, be prepared for that sacrifice, this commitment, and show up with this mindset. Can you do all that? If you can, great. This is, this is a place where you're well matched. If you can't, this isn't the place for you and you have to own that.
1: So what we're talking about is like polarizing the audience. I mean, really like taking it back to a point where we're only getting to the people that are going to thrive in the environment.
0: And this is the beauty, right? And this is the ultimate litmus test. If you've got one message that polarizes an external audience, but galvanizes an internal
1: audience, you've nailed it. All right. So what 's the next part of the strategy piece? So
0: we talked about reputation. Yeah. The next one is setting expectations, and this is the EVP, the employee value proposition, and this is the bit where it usually it all falls down because we only talk about the good bits, so um, the give and get is the key to the to the proposition, you know so understanding yeah the the comp, the benefits, the opportunities, the natural strengths you know, proving how it rolls up to the reputation. But this is the bit where we need to be really open and honest about what you have to give as an employee, as a teammate, to show up in order to thrive, not just survive. So so we, we kind of just covered it there. But the middle layer is the exp- setting expectations with a real bona fide proposition.
1: I feel like today, the give has shifted over to the company, like, what is the company going to give me and what am I going to get? It almost seems like everybody that, I, that we talk to is, is kind of like, well, and it's not always money, by the way. It's always like some sort of growth or something more than what they're getting in their current environment.
0: Yeah. I mean, money is important. It's like oxygen. You know, you can't, kind of can't live without it. But it's like you say, it's, it's not the motivator. You know, it can close a decision. Or it can open a decision, but it it's it doesn't get you all the way there. You know, yeah. it might get somebody's attention, and it might get the the signature, but actually the decision is emotional, and you have to serve a sense of purpose, impact, and belonging. I think you say it differently in 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 your book, but actually it's it's it's, it's yeah. I think it's the same ingredient shuffle yeah, around.
1: Totally. All right. So expectation. What would be next?
0: Well, the final layer of that is experience. So how does all this show up? You know, and the beauty of this is if you follow this strategic plan, understanding the reputation you need, setting out expectations in a a real proposition of give and get, then now when you look at the talent experience, which is candidate, employee, and alumni, you can make a, a real interesting strategic decision as to where your proposition needs to show up most to be validated and amplified and leveraged, to be authentic and most used to your, to your strategy. And, you know, it, it's, a common, um, it's a common understanding that most organizations have to be well-class at candidate experience, right? You know, and, and that's just typically what the industry is obsessed with. And it makes a lot of sense for obvious reasons. Everybody's fighting for talent and so on and so forth. But actually, if you're a career catalyst That's your reputation, and you set out that proposition, and it's a harsh reality, but the upside is significant for you know comp and promotion and all of that kind of stuff. If that's your culture and that's what you're going for, then actually, doesn't it make more sense to invest in your alumni experience and prove it on the back end? Because you've got a growing community of people leaving after two or three years, going on to bigger and better jobs and careers, and all of that stuff. And if you've got a great Um, community talking with nostalgia about what they learned that really sort of set them on their path how they uh, accelerated their career and got their first big break somewhere you know that's where the magic can happen that's where you can prove what you're saying is true and that's you know (laughs) that's where it comes together so
1: i don't hear that so often from smaller companies because it's usually like <laughs> People bitter about where everything got screwed up, right? Yeah. But I, I can see where that's super relevant for like an Amazon. I mean, actually, yeah. there's a big community of companies that have been startups in the Bay Area that like they get together still once a year. Mm-hmm. Like my friend was one of the co-founders of Napster and they get together every once in a while. And there's still kind of that where they share that experience and they get together and have a beer, which is Absolutely. great. Absolutely. But I don't think that happens with most small companies.
0: So, no, you're spot on. And with small companies, it might make some more sense. Like we talked about citizenship earlier. So if you focus on your employee experience and rather than storytelling, which a lot of employer brand is, you focus on story doing. So, you know, if you you say you're philanthropic, prove it by doing something and make impact and record that and um, validate why an employee shows up to work in terms of meaning and purpose beyond their job then capturing that as a story and proving it to your employee base is the perfect material to go to market with and attract more people that are going to be a great match.
1: So we have reputation, we have expectation, and we have experience.
0: Yeah, and essentially those three layers, think of it as three A's. We want attention with um, the reputation. We want affinity with the expectation. And then we want affection from the experiences we create.
1: Mentioning the alumni too, why not set yourself up two for boomerang hires well absolutely you know know. um leaving the door open for people to come back i mean if you've got a great environment and somebody jumps and goes to another company which is probably a worse shit show than your company right and they people might want to come back well i'm going
0: to make a bold prediction that in the next five years alumni strategy an alumni experience is going to be the um the go-to place to invest. And I think we'll start seeing organisations that give benefits to uh, their employees and extend it beyond they leave. And I, and I think that that's definitely something that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, they should.
0: They should. So as this war for talent, which I hate that phrase, but, you know, as it matures and we look for the opportunity that isn't saturated already, I think it's the alumni experience. But you're right, I think that is going to play out with bigger businesses first, um, you know, but... But when that does happen, it usually trickles down, and the, there's a good lesson in smaller business as well.
1: Yeah. So we'll go to recruiting conferences in the next couple of years, and they'll all be talking about boomerang hires, right? Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Brian brought that to our attention. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the job advertisement, because I think that's our bridge between attracting the right people what do you think needs to be in a job advertisement for the right person to be attracted
0: so we we have a we have a little formula for that but essentially you you need to give insight into um a real preview into what it's like you know so you have to empathetically and aspirationally demonstrate the meaning of the company and the purpose to inspire somebody and that needs to then correlate to the team and then the role that you're asking somebody to fill but I think if you can include the voice of your team and employees and you can validate your claims. And also, um, I mean, I, I've been interviewing a lot lately and we start with like, here's three reasons not to join our organization. Let's just cut to the chase, you know? And I think talking about putting some of those things in a job ad, here's, here's what you need to know. Um, because when you do talk about any strengths or benefits or opportunities, they're much more believable you know um so i I would say just use the give and get um philosophy to balance a a job ad um so you're confident that it is a smart filter you're putting people to an easy decision is this something i want to lean into or is it something i want to run from and you know we talk about repel the many to compel the few and, and that needs to show up on the on the job ad. I mean, you know, if it was e-commerce, that's the product page with the buy button. This is where it all happens. This is the sharp end of Employer Brand.
1: I think that should be the quote of the show. Repel the many to Compel the few. Compel the few. Perfect. <laughs> all right, shit, we're getting pretty close on time, Brian. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience they can plug into the business today?
0: So specificity. It's easy for me to say specificity, you know, get real specific on the type of reputation that you want to cultivate as an employer, then lean into the adversities and challenges of your employee experience and be authentic in what it really takes to thrive. Um, And I think, you know, if, if you take anything away from this conversation, it's, it's that, you know, and um, if you can validate the strengths, benefits, and opportunities with the demands, the sacrifices, the adversities, and challenges, then you're putting your audience to a very educated um, decision, which is going to serve everybody well.
1: And it's going to save time of all the people that you have in the interview process. There's no reason ever for you to interview 15 candidates to make one hire. It just doesn't make sense. I couldn't agree more. All right, sure. Well, thanks so much for your time investment today, Brian. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Rated community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the audience can find you? Yeah, so um, feel free to
0: grab a copy on on Amazon. Uh, give and get employer branding. Repel the many to compel the few. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Brian Adams, spelled just like the Canadian singer. Uh, and PH Creative, you'll, you'll find me easy enough. Or check out our website at ph-creative.com.
1: Awesome. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, this show's for you. And we want to continue to deliver great content for your business. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at higher, H-I-R-E, power, P-O-W-E-R, radio, dot com, Or you can drop me an email at, at com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Devin Miller. Devin is the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha.
0: Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio
1: with your guide to hiring success, Rick Girard.